This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mounds of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer and the Palacious 680 The Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Next to me, Josh Bagrianski. And across from me, Sam Franco. The 3-0. The 3-0? The trio. I like 3-0. 3-0. The 3 Amiga. No, never mind. I tried. Does that Gentlemen. mean like the police are coming, but not that bad as opposed to 5-0? You say 3-0. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not what I thought of, but it's like, yeah. But sure. Oh, it's only 3 That's just the Canadian Mounties coming, not, you know. <laughs> So I don't want you. I, I don't want you to describe what we're about to talk about next. Don't describe these things, okay? Because I want to. I, I want to encourage people to go to the YouTube channel to see it for themselves. That's a good call. Maybe subscribe to the YouTube channel, yeah. MOTS podcast on YouTube. Yeah, you need a visual of what Eric. You do is need wearing. a visual of these. Yeah, I've got on some headphones. They're very. Uh, they're not my normal headphones. No, you look. I forgot like Thanos. Right? I forgot my backpack. It's got my laptop. It's got my headphones. I got. I forgot all that stuff at home. I was. I had an off day today. I got up on the wrong side of the bed. That happens. And uh, fell off. And Oh, no. Have, have people determined what the right side of the bed is? The right side. So it is. So the right side is literally the right side. It is now. Fair enough. Um, I'm so going to try that. Tomorrow. I encourage you, if, if you want to see the headphones that I've got on, go to the to the uh, YouTube channel, MOTS Podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Yeah, while you're there, subscribe. Yeah. Are you going to call those gold or platinum? You just ruined it. Platinum. <laughs> Or gold. How's it ruin it? I think if people want to go see them. One or the other. You'll have to find out for yourself by going to the YouTube channel. And subscribe I don't, I don't think, I just don't think it's that cool, I guess, but you know. Is Shaq pretty cool? Shaquille O'Neal? Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> there he is. Live and in person. Yeah, I just decided to let Eric borrow my headphones. He's all right. Yeah, yeah. so. He looks Shaq a little does, bit like Sam. Shaq does a, his podcast with John Kincaid here. It's, I think it's called The Big Podcast. Yeah, it's like, yeah, or something and like that. And it's very top, very sports topical and everything, so it's it's exactly what you think John Kincaid and Shaq would do in, in, in regards to a podcast. Now that the playoffs are going on, I'm sure they're hot and heavy into that. I mean, it's Shaq. Who, I mean, everything that guy does. Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, but I forgot my headphones, so I was scrambling to see where exactly uh, I could find some. And I walked into the Braves Radio Network, and they didn't have any. And one of the guys there is actually works on the the, sh- the big podcast with Shaq and John Kincaid. And uh, he, he hands me he hands me some headphones that uh, are in this, some case. And he's like, you know what? Hold on. Actually, take these. These are Shaq's. Oh, so you were wearing Shaquille O'Neal's headphones. These are Sha- Shaquille O'Neal's headphones. Okay, so that's a little bit cooler. I didn't. Okay, so you didn't tell us yeah, that see, part of the story. You dismissed the story. Well, you. T- the point was to wait until. Until we actually were on air, mm-hmm. until we were recording, mm-hmm. right? To to you know add a little add a little value, add a little shock. Yeah, well you did, you did add a little value to it. It's a much better story. So yeah, go. You can see Sha- Shaquille O'Neal's actual oh, yeah. headphones he uses here in the Six Eighty Studios. They are donning Eric's head for the podcast tonight. First of all, so. I would like to say that the Mouse of the South is the best MLS podcast out there. Y'all got to listen to it. It's the best. It's nice. the best podcast y'all ever listen to. I'm telling you. 
If you like MLS, you like Atlanta United, you're going to love the Mavs of the South. Can we just start saying this is Shaq's listens every week thank and have Sam do a little you, sound, sound you, bite? Where, yeah, where, I mean, Shaq, where, not where Sam. Where is Sam? Sam's not here. Uh, that's Shaquille O'Neal. That's Shaquille O'Neal right Eric there. Eric Quintana, the host with the most, but I do got to say, DJ Diesel is going to need those headphones back for his headline instead of Lollapalooza in August, so <laughs> just don't mess him up, okay? Wow, I can't believe I'll, Shaquille I'll, O'Neal gracing the podcast. Put it back in one piece. Dude, was that DJ Diesel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no way! What a, what it's a, officially the best start of this podcast What a night, ever. yeah. It's, well, I think it's going he good. really is DJ Diesel, though, and he like... Uh, wait, t- turn your head for a second. Is there a Superman logo like on the Hold side on. of those? There is... Uh, no, so it's t- oh, okay. 24 karat, pure monster... It's a, They're monster headphones. That's, those are nice. Um, Big ups to Shaq. They feel comfortable. But no, he like literally is like DJ Diesel, and he like headlines music festivals. Maybe, he like maybe, goes around and maybe one size too big. But you know. he played like Ultra down in Miami, and like uh, he did that thing out here, but uh, before the Super Bowl where like Migos played, and it was like Shaq's Funhouse, and he spins. He's actually a pretty good DJ. Mm. So uh, you know, if you need, uh, they do their podcast uh, across the street at the uh, Sport and Social every oh, yeah. now and then. They did it last week. They made a big deal out of it. Just like a live show kind of deal. Yeah, 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 that sort of thing. All right, should we get to the events of the weekend? Sure, let's Absolutely. talk about soccer. Absolutely. Atlanta United, one nothing victors over the Colorado Rapids. Three a lot of people five ups, <laughs> upset at how it was done. Um, I'm happy that we got three points at all. Um, I mean, that's first and foremost. you got to be happy that you got three points. got to be happy you got three points. Especially with the Agreed. way the season is gone. Exactly. I, I don't think you can take – you can't take any, anything for granted. Three points is three points regardless of how you get them, especially with how this – like you said, Sam, especially with how the season has gone – um, your initial reactions from the match, and and you were in the stands. We actually tailgated a little bit. Sam, I don't know where you watch it from. <laughs> Parts unknown. Parts unknown. But what, what initial reactions about the match? Well, first and foremost, uh, the first like without, without getting too deep, but yeah, within like the first, I don't know, it was like thirty or forty minutes after the game. Like somebody sent me the heat map for the game, and I told both of you. <laughs> That as soon as I saw the heat map, I wanted to puke. Yeah. Because, you know, a very easy excuse, like after the Dallas game, you heard a lot of uh, possession without meaning or meaningless possession. And in the Dallas game, that wasn't true. Right. Because, you know, they were putting a lot of chances on goal. Unfortunately, you do need to convert those chances to win games. And that's another story for another day. But they were creating chances. In this game, if you look at the heat map, I mean. No, it's crazy. There is, the basically, it's between the 18s. Atlanta United has one big red blob, and then there's nothing on, like, either goal. Mm-hmm. So, Colorado wasn't doing a whole lot to get forward and try to create themselves, and they, they were bunkering in, but Josh, you said something to me on the way over here that I agree with. They're not good at that. They're, like, they're a bad defensive team, so Atlanta still should have been able to put way more chances on goal they still should have been able to be more creative and be more dynamic and they regressed heavily from the Dallas game th- in that regard I think it's you know it's interesting you know obviously we are happy with the three points but at this point in the season you're adjusting to a new manager it's early anyway you know a lot of it is more about the performance and the result and that's why we came here after the Dallas match last week and said you know you got a little bit unlucky we saw some progress in terms of playing DeBoer's system and creating chances 
this game, I, I don't necessarily want to use the word regression, Sam, although you could certainly make that argument because you Well, did. if you're saying it was progress in a losing I, I effort fight, against I Dallas. I will fight that argument. This, but it, I, you know, that I, argument I do 100%. think you can make you know, the, 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 the argument that it was a game where Atlanta United had a lot of the possession again and, and weren't able to create a lot of chances. And Wait, Eric, are you saying it was regression or it wasn't? That it wasn't regression. Okay, okay. You're saying it was a bit of regression. Uh, or you I, can make I, the argument yeah, that, I, that you, if, there was regression. It, but I, to me, I, you know, I mean, if we see this again against Kansas City this, this week, and I think it's going to be a diff- completely different type of game, then we can say, okay, maybe you're back to those early season days where you weren't creating anything. That's why it's hard to make snap judgments, though, because a lot of people wanted to make snap judgments after the Dallas game, and it's like, well, there was progress there. Yeah, I still, I, I tend to agree with Eric. I think overall you're still trending upward, but it mm-hmm. is discouraging the sense that, as you kind of mentioned, Sam, you know, a lot of people are talking about Colorado's bunker and, you know, that they drop back and play defense. Colorado has bad defenders. That should be and a bad age. So, 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 you know, if you're going to go at a bad back four, a, a, let's be real, a, a well over the hill goalkeeper in Tim Howard, and a team that's not even trying to get forward against you, you should create more goal scoring opportunities than that. So that's what was discouraging to me. This wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't like a Mourinho park the bus type thing <laughs> where you have a bunch of great players out there that can do it. I mean, they were talking about a team that started a 16 year old at right back. So and played you know played a center back at center mid and Danny Wilson. So to me, yes, the way Colorado played so cynical, playing a five four one, absolutely was a big reason that we didn't see a lot of goal scoring opportunities. But when I look at them player to player, if you're challenging those defenders time and time again, you're gonna you're gonna find more more success in the last third. And in the end, you look at it, Atlanta United spend close to, close to fifty percent of the game is spent in the middle third of the pitch. That, that just shouldn't be happening, a team that's literally dropping into their own third and inviting you into that space. Look, I wasn't surprised at the reaction after the game. I knew that it, as soon as we didn't score in the first 30 minutes, as soon as it was nil-nil at halftime, I, I knew what the reaction was going to be. I could already sure. write that, that story for yeah, everybody. Yeah, you could see that coming a mile away. Yeah. I knew Devin was going to be happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was a little happier after the Sorry, match Devin. this week. Devin, for real, we love you. Uh, for real? But, for real. Uh, I, I mean, you could already write... You know your post game comments. You, you could already go ahead and write that 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 post match tweet. You could already do all those things because you knew it was it wasn't progress. You're still looking stagnant. There wasn't a lot in the attack. I don't understand what people expected against a team like Colorado because mm-hmm. it's not like Atlanta United has proven they can just absolutely outclass and outperform a team that's doing exactly what Colorado did. And they struggled what to break instance, down the bunker last what year. instance in the last two years have Atlanta United been able to ever show that they're yeah. competent in breaking down? You know a uh, uh, a team that defended two is buses. Is that true? Or a team that def- like is that like like what what uh, what games would you point to where a team bunkered in Atlanta United didn't have? I mean, I, you I can look at. I, I can go back to. I can go back to the very beginning. The, the very beginning of of, sure. of 2017. I can go up and all the way up until last week. But I look at. I, you, you can even look at the Houston game where where uh, I think Joseph Martinez gets a hat trick. And that didn't happen until like the 75th minute. No, I, I see what you're and, saying. And the entire time, it looked exactly the same. It wasn't until Assad found a way to get, but I don't get think, Joseph the ball. I don't think you can look at a team with P.T. Martinez, Joseph Martinez, Ezekiel Barco, Julian Gressel, Darlington Nagby, and say, oh, they didn't create chances because the other team sat back and Yeah, and I'll say this too. The heat map, like we're looking at, that is really telling in this game too, just because the ball wasn't getting there. They, yeah. they would, The I, attempts weren't even I agree being. it was going to be always going to be difficult because they were going to sit mm-hmm. back. I mean, this formation, literally playing a 5-4-1 is like... I mean, it's really an admission, and Anthony Hudson said as much after the match that they were playing. A t- there was a gulf of class between his side and Atlanta United, and that's why you should be. He cre- realized it. He literally said that. I mean, he had some incredible <laughs> quotes. Go check them out post match. But, but but you, but you should the- be creating more chances to score. I'm not disagreeing with that. I I still think that. And look, this is where I'll I'll I, I will kind of bang on 
uh, Frank DeBoer and Atlanta United as a whole. You should know what you're going up against, and you should be mm-hmm. able to, as talented as you are, create more. But the expectation from the last two years has shown me, or the, the, the experience from the last two years has shown me that I shouldn't have that expectation, that I should expect, look, we should go in the next three matches not expecting anything. We should expect losses, honestly, in the next three matches because we don't know what we're going to get out of this team against the, the type of teams that we're playing up against because we're not going to see the same thing we saw against Colorado, against SKC. And moving forward, we're going to see all sorts of different things from teams that are going to figure out how best to confront a team as talented player for player as Atlanta United. But I'm not go- I didn't go into this match expecting four or five. I told you that the one thing Colorado can do, maybe not, maybe you don't think it's very well, but the, what they did well last this past weekend was defend on the low block. Yeah, two of I mean, the midfield was crazy to they watch. Knew, they know how to park two buses, yeah. as Frank DeBoer said. That's the one thing that they can competently sort of do. And that's what they did. And you go into a match against Atlanta United. I don't knowing know they that, can competently do that. that. They've conceded no, 23 they goals. They just proved to you they could. They've conceded 23 goals this they season. They just proved to Atlanta United they could. They bunker because they're bad. They don't bunker because they're it's, good It's at a necessity, it. but imagine going, imagine going into a game knowing you have to be on top of your game playing. Yeah, and they clearly the game way planned that, on that yeah, all Playing week. the way that you need to play against a team like Atlanta United in terms of bunkering. Sure. And well, they did that. Me. They did that better than 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 I expected. Okay, if they had a game plan for Atlanta, well, then where was Atlanta's counter? You know what I mean? Where was Frank DeBoer with ideas and 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 a a philosophy on how to break down the bunker, how to break down the play? So why I, I don't I, and I don't disagree with you, but where were Tatas? Well, no, you, you're because totally he right, he, he, he struggled with the same thing. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that, but at the same time, this is not this is not a coaching thing for me. This is a, a player figuring out how to best navigate what's going on. Well, in but front also of them. comparing it to Tata, now is a fool's errand because a Tata's not coming back, and b Frank needs to show progress. And Frank DeBoer isn't Tata Martino. You know, he needs to be you know his own guy in that regard, and, and you know he has to figure out some sort of way that hey, if they're going to do that, well then we have to counter and figure out something. I to, still got to beat the that. feeling under Tata Martino and teams bunker that the team there was still a positivity, a directness when they needed to be direct, That's and what they it did is. pick their spots in the final third what worried me about this and I don't know if it was tactical or it was just the you know was the non-aggressiveness of the possession once again I point to that statistic almost half of the play in the middle third of the pitch you need to see more in the final third. I did feel like they spent most of the first half all the first half just basically playing carefully playing maybe too careful and it wasn't until the second half where you you noticed Immediately they were like, "All right, well, we got to play over the top. We got to open this game up a little more. We got to uh, and and those the balls the balls that were played over the top weren't even that great, but at least they were trying. And I, and, and I, I think I tweeted out at one point, it's like you can't you can't tell me that they're just circulating the ball because it there's a clear there's a clear uh, uh, directive it seemed to get Barco in the middle of the field to get Pitty in the middle of the field mm-hmm. to work the ball into the middle of the of the final third. Although Barco was out wide though, but it, it yeah. just no no no, but he shifted inside he with the ball. To come inside. Yeah, he yeah. was definitely going inside. It just they, it didn't pan out for them. They lost the ball. They gave up possession. They they yeah. It was a bad pass. They they got defended well. Again, the one thing that I think uh, the, the only thing that I think Colorado did well is defending uh, Atlanta United's best opportunities, and that's Pity and Barco in the middle towards centrally in the final third. Well, and uh, you know as we talk about, the, I don't know if we know that the, about Pity yet. By the way, I don't know if he's. And we're gonna have a little Pity Pity talk here soon because that's you know big big. Uh, the big talking point right now, right now with PT, but I thought, if we're going to talk about Frank DeBoer, I thought the biggest mistake that he made in this match, and I've been 
I've defended him a lot, and I will still defend him. And I think the Tito sub was 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 fantastic. You know, we talk about what were some of his ideas. He had one, and it worked. That was bringing one, that's Tito true. in, going to a back three for a little bit, and, and getting a little more aggressive. But I thought it def- it. It defies logic to me that you start Barco, and I know he's instructed to, to come into the middle, but that you start Barco on the left, P.T. Martinez at the 10 underneath the striker after two weeks where Barco has been your best player from the cam position. And P.T. Martinez, if you look at the chances he created in this match, they came from wide areas. So I know and I totally agree with letting that player on the left or drift into the center. Mm-hmm. But it should have been Barco in the middle drifting wide and vice versa, P.T. drifting into the middle. And and I thought that it really you know who's a player that can play through the center in tight spaces keep the ball close play players in behind it's Ezekiel Barco I think he's the the guy that can break down a bunker and when he's playing through the middle he's going to have that opportunity more often than not you can play PT out wide where he can get isolated take some guys on one v one he's such a great dribbler play those crosses into the box that we've seen and he can come into the middle when needed but I thought that was a mistake from Frank DeBoer starting Martinez underneath instead of Barco based on first of all what we've seen the last two weeks but also just based on the type of team you're playing, I would prefer a type, a Barco type of player playing in the middle of that bunker than a PT Martinez. Do did you hear what Frank DeBoer said after the game about specifically that? I, I, I asked him specifically that question. Why, Joseph, or why, why pity more, or why is it more about Ezekiel Barco not being supposed to lead into not being into the middle? (laughs) Can you believe that he's like this whole plan was for you to now say what he told you, and you're like, well, did you hear? Anyways, go, go, go. You could have made yourself sound way made me look stupid. We had we would have had like a perfect segue into this quote, but anyways, go on. Yeah, Josh, you idiot. Did you not hear the quote? God, I don't want to tell you guys anymore. No way. Forget it. I already know the quote, but our listeners want to know. Go ahead. You can take it. Our listeners want to take it over. It's okay. It's all you. Don't Our listeners want to know. All you. Our listeners want to know what Frank DeBoer had to say. Quintana. You have to tell us. Go. Tell the listeners. What so a, Frank DeBoer basically yeah, said that Pity was the number 10. Mm-hmm. Without saying that he was the number 10. Okay. But that Ezekiel Barco essentially, there can only be one number 10. Ezekiel Barco is capable of playing out on the left and... Um, I should have pulled up the quote in front of me. <laughs> but are you saying he, he was insinuating that PT is the number 10 in the long term or just for this match he started him? Pity is the number 10. He made it seem that Pity was the number 10. Interesting. Period. Well, we're going to see what happens. I, against a non-bunkering team, it makes look, a little more sense. Uh, he was asked by uh, Felipe as well, Felipe Cardenas of the Athletic, about this team actually having a number 10. Because I think we're all of the same mindset. We don't know that Pity's a number 10. No, absolutely not, no. At I least, think, I think at least yet. He hasn't shown that maybe he's filled that role perfectly And he's yet. a player that likes to drift around sure. the pitch, so it's it hard like to even call him. better as a number and 10 again, in the Tata system. It's more, but, it's more, it, but the, way, the way Frank DeBoer answered was more about, uh, well, Pity played the number 10 today. And then when I asked him specifically about Ezekiel Barco mm-hmm. moving more centrally because he seemed to be a little absent in this match considering how effective he was centrally against uh, FC Dallas. And New England as well. And New England. In the first half, yeah. And it was back to, well, Pity's... Essentially, pity's the number two. That's interesting. I mean, that'll be an interesting one to follow. And I just, I think specifically against a team that sets up like Colorado, I want a Barco and playing a little more centralized. So. I'd agree too, because you hit the nail on the head. The chances that Pity did create were out wide. Yeah, and and he, I think he's better at cutting in and, and kind of getting that sort of thing going on there. And I, I would also like to see because. Let's not forget, Darlington Nagby was brilliant on the Excellent. on the goal. I mean, yeah. you know, he again another one of these performances from him that is workhorseman like and maybe doesn't show up a whole lot in certain areas on the stat sheet. 
that cross. <laughs> you know, he got he, it was one of his best moments, I think, in Atlanta United shirt. And I would like to see more in combination between Nagby and Barco in, in the center. What Donington, I think their passing is really good, and, and they can, like you said, breaking down a bunker, that kind of possession, that kind of passing exactly. would have been really good to have those two guys in there instead of having, like you said, Barco out wide and drifting back. What Donington Nagby did on that goal, and granted, Dallas did get, uh, Dallas, excuse me, Colorado did get turned over, they so did. it wasn't, you know, in a kind of organic. Uh, possession, but that's what we're talking about. I want to see you run at a defender. Yes, you know, I want you. I want, and you might I want to fail. See him do that more, by the way. Yeah, he, he has not done that. A big enough criticism in of Nagby really throughout his career has right. been a lack of decisiveness in the last third. But I want to see you challenging and running at those defenders who you are better than in a one v one situation. And, and it actually happened there. And, and look what happened. You get so a goal. I've got the quote in front of me on. Uh, okay. I believe the team played with the number ten tonight in Gonzalez Martinez. He played like a number ten tonight. Maybe it wasn't his best game, but it doesn't matter. It was his first start in a long time. He has to get used to the surface style of play in MLS. Let's not dive into that because that's a completely different discussion. He's he's our number 10 normally, and we want him uh, close to Joseph Martinez. I'd actually agree with. I want him as close to Joseph as, as Look possible. Look at the chances he's created for Joseph They have a good year. combination, and hopefully in the future we'll see a lot more of the combination uh, mm-hmm. play. So then, so then on Ezekiel Barco, because I – uh, Felipe Cardenas asked about specifically having a number 10. That was his response. Then I asked about uh, Ezekiel Barco playing on the left mm-hmm. when he was a more effective last two matches in the middle. Um, after Gonzalez Martinez was substituted, Barco played the number 10, uh, 10 position. You can you can only have one number 10 in this type of system. He plays against this system. A lot of times he comes inside, and you can see mm-hmm. we have multiple number 10s. Maybe he's better suited to come from the left when, you can, when he can go inside and, and outside. I think he's performing really well, and you have to make a decision. Uh, you have to make decisions. For me tonight, I knew we would have narrow spaces against Colorado, so I didn't put Tito Vijalba from the start. I don't know why he went down this road, but he's a player that needs to find needs space. And uh, normally, Barco and Gonzalez. Oh, instead of he's a player that needs space. So there's back to tight spaces. Why is he still saying that? And normally, Barco and Gonzalez Martinez uh, are better in those tight spaces. Look, he's not wrong. I agree with that. It seemed like he drifted into kind of an answer of a. I, I, by the way, I love his sound bites. The way he analyzes the I, game and so gives hard you a, a long, detailed. Uh, they're so hard. It sucks, to it sucks for the people in that press conference. I, I'll tell I you, if you, you, if you, if you look at my Twitter feed after the press conferences and the interviews, well, just specifically the Frank DeBoer press conferences, those are all paraphrased because mm-hmm. there is absolutely no way I can fit his exact. It would make no sense. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. would. It would sound like gibberish in writing. Does it makes sense. It makes sense when you hear it, but right. when, you, when you actually read it, it's it's, it's really interesting it how he really is analytical and gives some. It was really. Look, this is, I think good answers. I think he hates no, Tito I agree. more than yeah. Eric does. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't hate and, Tito. And I, okay, agree. I, I know you don't, but I'm just saying that was completely unprovoked in in that quote that you're he's reading. Not, but he's not wrong. Well, that's fine. But the there's only no reason, reason to continue only, to denigrate your own play, and he he, he keeps picking it on is Tito. Inter- it is interesting. Tito came up at that's all. What I'm saying. The, it only re- look, the only reason Tito look. Tito, Although I agree Tito with goes, him. Tito goes in the seventy first minute, seventy fourth minute. Uh, Nagby and and Gressel create the goal. Don't act like Tito had much to do with it. I'm not back. saying. Yeah. I, did he? It was a it was a direct pass to Nagby. But I thought Tito changed the game. I'm but, not but, saying but, he didn't. But, but yeah. the only reason it looked better when Tito goes in is because all of a sudden Colorado's down a goal and they got to open it up to try to get well, the, the to save the point. I think it that's looked, the only reason. Yeah, sure, you saw Tito in, in open space on the left side because all of a sudden Colorado had to come out of their their, well, their hole. Let's, let's go back to DeBoer's quote. I, I don't think it's that 
that I think Tito absolutely made a difference, but this was a game because of playing in tight spaces and that Tito likes to play in a little more space where he can make a difference off the bench better so than in the first but hasn't 11. Hasn't he proven I, this year that he's I, better in those spaces? Let's not, than, yeah, let's not downplay the impact he no, had on the he's match. he's proven this season so far. But is he consistent? That's the problem. Yeah, okay, but in the times we've seen him, he's been much better in those tight spaces. This is a guy mm-hmm. who, much Much better, sure, but better overall and more consistent in those tight spaces than Barco and Pitt. I'm just saying, this is a guy who went out to say that Andrew Carlton, a player with very little experience, is better than Tito Vijalba in tight spaces, which was incorrect. I... And then he, he calls him back out again unprovoked. I'm just saying, why are you doing that to this one player? Are you trying to boot him out? Maybe it just Frank DeBoer's almost like, I don't want this guy anymore. That is so I'm interesting. Just keep saying little digs at him until we push him out that the door. That is interesting reading that's between the lines. Like, why is he bringing it up? And, and that's the thing. You're not going to win that battle, Frank, right now because you don't have near the clout with this fan base or this team as oh, he's Tito won- does. I think he's won the battle. Well, we'll see. I mean, I like I, said, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. I, don't di- I, I totally disagree. I totally agree with the, with the with the lineup change. But it is interesting. I'm not like I'm not saying that he kick- kind of maybe it's because he just anticipated that was the type of question he was going to get. Is, is 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 why didn't you start he just Tito? Had it in his head. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not saying. Yeah. But I'm it's not interesting saying, that he I'm went saying, that direction when the question was about Barco. I'm not saying go sell Tito. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not. What he's saying, I'm not. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying I'm not going to start Tito over a guy like Barco who in. Uh, I'm telling you, Tito for 90 minutes in this match would have been absolutely worthless. Well, of course, because in a absolutely bunker, in worthless no, situation, I, overstatement. I would, but. That, it, not worthless, but is this a game that's no? He's to right. His strengths probably not. Barco and PT, two guys that play with the ball close to their foot. Tito, a guy that likes to kind of knock it and go. But so, Josh, you have to nail it. Like Barco seems like again, and we talk about this. If Frank's going to say that PT's a 10, that's fine. But in this game, and especially against a team that's going to bunker against you. A player like Barco feels like that better yeah. fit in that position because yeah. of his kind of ability to possess, because of his methodical and nature know, and finding you, the pass. If you look at the average positions of those two players, they're literally right on top of oh, each no, other. Are. So you basically, I think by doing that, because Barco loves to come in, made them that player kind of redundant, kind of made that, I, I just that underneath want... the striker was not covering space enough to be dangerous. They're right on top of each I other. Don't know how, I don't know how much I love Frank DeBoer saying pity is the number 10. Like it. Fair, it's, it's not mean, really. It's not really how he said it either. But yeah. he made it seem like yeah, he's the number ten. If you read, if we read the between the lines, um, because look, if if pity is is uh, or whatever demanding to be the number ten, I'm not saying that he is. Mm-hmm. But if that may be like a situation we have here, and Barco's, we'll get into that in and Barco's, <laughs> Barco's clearly a better choice for the. I'm not saying a better number ten, but a better choice for the number ten role with Atlanta United. Then why wouldn't you, as a smart tactician? Move pity to the to the left side. Exactly. Have him cut back on his right foot. Is he right footed or left footed? He's left footed. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Do what you want. What? Uh, and nice man. question, bro. What? <laughs> what have those gold headphones done brain to your brain? Um, I thought he was left footed, but no. It, it, it move move uh, move Barco back in. At least after. I mean, I, I I agree with I think a lot of people who say, you know, you saw all the success the last two matches. Why not continue that? I mean, you can still play Barco, uh, Pity. It's not like you're you're he's going to be. Oh no, yeah, off, we're not saying I'm just starting eleven, not at all. But just movements to the left side, and if, if nothing else, just make them extremely fluid, so they're both in and out of their positions mm-hmm. as they as they as they please or as they see fit. And again, I look at a couple different statistics. I mean, wh- to me, you you want PT. Uh, he's not necessarily a guy that's supposed to dominate the ball and be on the ball all the time. He's a guy that you want to find in good positions, and then he can dribble, he can shoot, he can pass. 
Ezekiel Barco is much more of a player that can drop in, get involved in the possession, combine with other players. And then you look at it, and the result of moving Barco to the uh, left, he takes 60 touches, P.T. Martinez takes 69. I think you'd prefer those numbers to be reversed and maybe even a little bit expand a little bit more because I think Barco is more involved with the simple things in terms of just almost like he he can do the things Darlington Nagby does better than P.T. Martinez, who more so Absolutely. is a direct player. Yeah. So that, that that to me, that's the reason you want, because in a game like this, you want Barco all over the ball so he can do kind of what Darlington Nagby did to create the goal. And P.T. Martinez, he can do that, but I think he's a guy that, again, is just better in space, and he can come into the middle when needed. So I, I just thought it was a miscalculation uh, by Frank DeBoer and maybe one of the bigger uh, tactical I, mistakes he's made this season. My hope is... Because it would be nice to see Barco consistently playing as the number ten. You know that quote though that I, I don't. You could read into it. Maybe he thinks that uh, that uh, PT is the number ten in the future. But I don't know necessarily. I just, I just he think was he saying has, that he has the well, uh, inner squad politics too. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I I almost feel like it's it's he feels like oh well Pity is the number ten he's wearing the number ten so he is the number ten <laughs> yeah, man, he was just like, he was just like, what, what if he's taking it literally like this dumb American like the number and he's, he's <laughs> look I don't think that's the case but I really hope not yeah, he's the number ten he's like duh he's, he's the number man, ten if he's the number ten because he just happens to be wearing the numbers ten or yeah. the number ten. I'm all for firing the so, at that point. So one area on the other side of the ball, I think you saw some real. Pro- I thought defensively, you're happy with that, even though Colorado, I think, well, attacked, they're not doing a whole lot. Even, to break but again, you down. but we, we we've talked about this in past weeks because even though Colorado parked two buses, we've seen Dallas parked maybe three quarters of a bus, Cincinnati parked maybe a bus and a half, you know. So, but and yet Atlanta United were open getting counterattacked throughout the match. There were a couple of nervy moments with Colorado, and granted their players aren't as good, but I think I was a lot happier with, with the back line in terms of being positionally solid, not do, making the mistakes we've seen Gonzalez-Pierrez making past weeks, being over-aggressive, trying to win the ball back, and then leaving space in behind. So that was, I think, maybe offensively you saw not what you want, but I did see some progression on the other side of the ball defensively. This is why I kind of want to see... I, w- I wish we could have seen Barco in this situation, because maybe Barco is... Maybe the better passer, maybe the better game manager when it comes mm. to these kind of situations against teams that are parking two buses. Um, maybe he's a little more pinpoint on his passes. Maybe he can create more from from uh, centrally on a regular basis than he can from uh, the left side. I would have loved to see that consistency, but at some point you got to look. You paid pity; you'd be the number ten. Let's be real. So let's see him be the number ten. Is that true? Why does it? I don't understand why I don't that think matters. Did. I think if I don't think it does. It, may, it but might mean it's seven, to PT. eight it games in. You paid him to be the number ten. Let's see what he does at number ten. Okay, but that's the I don't thing. Think he, he a lot of the times you might pay 10. a guy to do one thing, but then you find a, another spot for him. An example I could use is. Uh, but, but let's also be honest. Until like the last two matches, we didn't really know what we had. Still didn't know what we had in Ezekiel Barco. He he has yeah, played remarkably but, well to start this season, and you know, for, from a a guy and myself who was more than willing to take a shot at him last season, he's come a long way. And it's sad that even like someone like I want to see him what more what more he can do, kind of being that uh, Miguel Almiron type, or at least the guy you're relying on to create. Because from what we've seen, I mean, some of the shots against Dallas, I mean, he was all over the place, had a few shots that should have gone in, and mm-hmm. probably would have gone in on a different day, but. Uh, just one of those situations where I understand you pay for a player to come in and play a position, but how long do you let that be more important than getting results? And I don't know that you necessarily paid P.T. Martinez to play number 10. I mean, I think he's a mix of a of a attacking winger and a, and a 
number 10, which to be fair isn't that different anymore because you know, as we've just discussed, the wingers come into yeah. the middle, but I don't think PT Martinez, or I don't think he even he feels that he should be locked in at the number ten spot the way Miguel. I'm not Leron saying they is. should be, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to. Just, I, I feel like. I, I think for this system, for Frank's it's system, still, I mean, it's looked I, better I, I, with, with But Sparkle. I think Felipe has a good point in bringing up and asking the question: Does this team have a true number ten for the system that you want to implement? I don't think and they do. I. I don't think it's exactly the number 10 that Frank DeBoer I think wants. you could combine Barco and Pitti and you'd probably have that player, but they each do kind of, you know, different things enough to where neither of them is truly that player. I think in terms of possession, in terms of the the skill set on paper that Pitti has, he fits better. Again, on paper. And so Frank DeBoer wants to see that out, much like he wants to see out his own system, as much as possible until, okay, well, because, I mean, to be fair, Frank DeBoer does kind of have a point. It's still so early in the season. He is a brand new player in a brand new league in a brand new city and with a brand new team, all that stuff that we've talked nonsense about. So he does need at least some time to adjust. We saw it took basically all year last year for Ezekiel Barker to adjust. So we do have to we do have to give him that that chance to prove that he belongs, you know, at the positions that that Frank DeBoer wants him. Although he gets less time than Barco because of his age. Absolutely, yeah, and it doesn't. It also doesn't, you know, excuse what he did. Uh, you know, when he got yanked. I off. don't. I don't find that to be a big deal at all. I, I really don't find don't. it to be as big of a deal as maybe some do. But there's a big difference. And Josh and I were talking about this on the way up here. There's a big difference in like being upset about it because I want players that are upset when they get taken off because that shows they're hungry. You know, that shows that they want to be out there scoring goals, helping their team, doing whatever they can to win. So I wasn't upset that he was upset, but. That tantrum lasted a little bit too long. And, you know, kicking the back yeah. of Breck Shea's chair, you know, slamming. Yeah. Like, you know, funny. Of course, it was Breck Shea's chair that got I, kicked. Let me let me paint you a different a different picture. He's come to a new city, new team. Expectations are high, uh, sky high, and he has yet to prove that he's worth any uh, a single dollar of the amount. Yeah, sounds like uh, Barco the, early on. <laughs> sure. Would you not be upset? Would you not at some point? Uh, would that some that would fester? No, I agree. And that would sometime, That's just the wrong situation to let it burst. Over. That's what I'm saying. Though that's the I'm, wrong time. I'm okay time. with it. I'm okay with it. I, it, I'm, it. I'm not saying it's the worst thing to ever happen, but what I am saying is. You know, for a guy that was, you know, as expensive as he was, and for a guy that was playing at River Plate, you know, I mean, this isn't a guy who's being thrust onto the grand stage for the first time. He's dealt with this before. Are you sure? He's used to, like, success. And now, for lack of a better term, he's getting used to sucking. Well, we know that PT had a year-long uh, adaptation period uh, at River Plate as well. I remember, well. he didn't train either to start this season. You know, there was kind of. I'm just. I'm, I'm okay. When he first really. came there, his first year was. Given not the good. expectations, given the everything that's come along with him coming to Atlanta United, given the the culture and and the fact that I'm sure he reads some kind of social media and the fans aren't all that happy about him. I'm okay with the the outburst. Hopefully, so this adds a little fuel to the fire and 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 maybe energizes him and and I whatever. The, the, so I was the reaction after he was subbed. What would you would you rather have him do nothing? Just sit there? I don't. No, care. Well, I, just, I don't care I either just way. Said that I want My him bad. to be mad. <laughs> I literally like I, I, I well, you want them to be fiery. The, you want them to be mad. But there's a big difference again. I think in, in being upset with it and and 
sort of the way that he did it because I mean also he was like sitting there yelling at Frank the boy so, I mean it just it's a very public set setting to be doing that let's try to separate his reaction to being substituted with his general body language when he's on this the pitch I had zero issue with the way he reacted when he was substituted and the way it was described in just text form on Twitter I thought it was gonna be way worse than it was I thought oh, that, he, that, I thought he was gonna be like about to kick Breck Shea in that's the fair. face or that's something fair. like that like there was but then Although you look Breck at Shea's it look if you, if you watch the video like he turns around like chill, and credit man. and credit to breck shea for because for, if someone did that to me I, i'd be like what the hell, you got man? it yeah but no but, just, but like touching what, his leg and calm down what that showed me is that everyone understands everyone's under the same There's frustration it's look, it's, it's, look, it's starting to boil over personally for some of these players in terms of the expectations and the way they're playing and so breck shea knowing being a good teammate hey man we know we got you and it's that okay. shows you that I think the reaction was that he They're was all more, in the same boat, much more I so think. frustrated with himself yeah. than taking out on his teammates. That being said, okay, so the, the sub thing I have no problem with. He saw Joseph Martinez take off his shin guards walking off the field many times. What I do have an issue with is his body language on the pitch. There was a play uh, in the second half where I, I think it was Julian Gressel missed him on a cross, and he literally went down to his knees and oh, started like banging the, the turf when yeah. the ball was in play. That is not acceptable. Not uh, at all. I can agree with you there. You know, you're always supposed to like. You always see like when somebody sends a ball and it just misses or something. You know, they'll clap them or something, or you know, be like, "Hey, yeah. next time, whatever." But yeah, he's like showing open frustration his, with a teammate. His like, body language the on the field. The sub thing doesn't bother me. On the field is very bad, and I I get that every now and then you're going to throw your arms and be upset. But when you talk about pitching tantrums and things like that, first of all, it looks bad, but it also affects everyone on the pitch. And any any good coach will stress the importance of good body language during a match. And I'm glad he's saying and, this because a lot of people nowadays, if like someone attacks like body language or whatever, like you I know, don't a give lot a crap of about body language. Well, like it's a, lot of, a lot of it is the, important. I, I agree. I agree on a team uh, on a team very with, with other with your teammates. Yeah. Also, yeah, it's important. But in terms of analy- like micro analyzing, you know, oh, you picked his nose in this way. I, I don't care. Well, no, that, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. But within but, within a team, like body language can affect. And a lot of people will just roll their eyes and be like, oh, you do a job. And it's like, no, 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 no. Within t- a team sport, a setting like it's, that, it's critical. It, absolutely. I mean, if 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 you're crossing the ball and your teammate throws a, a fit like that for not, like, not getting it to him, him it affects. Ev- it's very <laughs> public. It's very visible. It appears, particularly for a pay- player of PT's. Uh, level that he's blaming the other players around him for not being on his level. It's just a bad look. And again, the, the walking off the pitch, being upset with the substitutes, I, I don't care. You're not on the field anymore. You're not part of the game. You know, you're surely frustrated with what's going on. Everyone else is. But on the pitch, and I get it, like you're going to throw your arms up sometimes, but it's too consistent and it gives off the vibe. And I'm sure he doesn't feel this way. Exactly. Else. And I'm sure he doesn't feel this way. But it, but it does give off like that it. vibe. The fans notice. His teammates notice. It's just not a good look. I mean, so who do you think he is, Ronaldo? I mean, this is, right. these are things <laughs> yeah, that Ronaldo right. does. He's one of the top two players in the world. <laughs> right. And P.T. Martinez is doing it. It's like, bro, you got a long I have to, to say, I have to say, I very few times seen anyone do what he did after that Gressel cross, getting literally down on all fours and banging the pitch while the ball was still in it's play. It's like you're showing up a teammate. That's bad, Look, yeah. I, I will and, say. and him and Gressel got into it, as Jenna brings up in the YouTube chat right before halftime as well. So when you piece all of these things together, aside from the it sub It doesn't thing, look good. Yeah, it doesn't look it, good. It's, it doesn't look good, and it, do, it doesn't help. I will say, um, and I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but I do think that the, the, the conversations this week with Pity from the front office, from Frank DeBoer, and whoever else might be involved— uh, year one, we saw Assad 
flopping like crazy. Yeah, of course. To the point where it was just kind of, a, at least to me, kind of annoying. Until somebody pulls him aside. Someone like absolutely it. pulled him aside and said, bro, you got to stop. Because it was after, immediately after the, was it the, was it the ball to the face one? I don't know if it was that one. It was one at, no, it was the elbow, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It was yeah, the elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was immediately after that that they were like, you got to stop this. You got to stop this flopping. You got to stop uh, the, the, stop doing the like overdoing it. You got to stop it. You got to stop it. And immediately after that match, whatever like, match I'm talking about, yeah, and I'm not sure if it's that one or not, but it you never saw it again. So you got to think someone is going to get into Pity's ear and at least explain to him, this is not how we roll. This is not how we do things here. Um, is it weird to we, me that I think Joseph needs to be the one that does? <laughs> no. I mean, well, who's the elder statesman and Latino on I this think team? That LGP. It, it, well, maybe it, it, not even LGP. You let him do it? No. You know what I mean? But Larry, Michael Parkhurst, well, who's well, Ann. Yeah, 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 but but Joseph, is the, Joseph is the only one that can say, I know which... Uh, no, yeah, how you're feeling. Saying. It needs to be Joseph because and, he's been and, there. Uh, and 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 it, it doesn't help anyone. And you know these fans love you. This is a good place. You know, cut it out. LGP would just go in there and hey, do whatever you want. Well, it's you know Two a guy like Parkhurst who's like the man. You know, like comes to you and says that. Like, of course, you know, you're class personified. But if someone I like agree. Joseph, somebody that's been on that side of the tracks before, who, so the, yeah, but but uh, but, but I, 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 I honestly, I, and I want to get also to the PT as a player. I think he's actually been pretty good. Uh, obviously, I don't think we've had enough chance to really, you know, I agree. judge one way or the he's, other. He's certainly not. You'd like more, particularly in terms of, I mean, scoring he's got goals. Score. He's got to score, you know. So I like to see him getting a little closer to goal and getting some shots off that's the front forty no yards. No scoring goals yet. Yeah, but but <laughs> but let's be real. That's that's a problem with everybody yeah. in the team. So I'm not going to single him out for that. But I think Even that you just did. a lot of. That's true. I just We should did. talk about the goal, by the way. But go ahead. Sorry. Let's talk about the goal first. We'll go back. Um, well, we did kind of, right? So I can we appreciate the run that Gressel made? Of course. To score that goal? Like, I... I, oh, I yeah. well, he I, went to the perfect spot. I mean, I there's fully, no doubt. I fully appreciate, I fully appreciate what, what Darlington Nagby did. But for Gressel to make the run that he did out of seemingly nowhere, it's a it's a good 20-yard well, run from least, outside the box. At least 20 yards. I think it starts outside the box. he came from the right side to the, to right the, in front to of, the other right post. Right in front of Tim Howard, not knowing whether that's a good run or not until the ball gets played. Well, that's the thing. It's like it was the perfect run, but you wouldn't have known it based on what was happening because you don't know what Nagby's going to do. I'm sitting there looking at like, <laughs> Gressel, what indications you had that that was the path you wanted to take? Mm-hmm. It was because a great if, if nothing else, you thought, all right, well, he's going to – Tuck it back into the into the like the top of the six yard box. That's where I'll be. Mm-hmm. No, he kept going all the way to the to the. To the and to and the, uh, once Nagby made that decision to run all the way to the byline or the the, 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 the touch line there, there is no shot that he could have done anything else. That's the thing. He played the only thing he could have done to get a goal in that situation because once he's there. You're not gonna be able to cut back. No. You know what I mean. At that point, he had to play the ball to the near post right there. Gressel's run was absolutely perfect because that's the ball that was played, and he did a really good job to get a, the foot in there in a really tight space. Yeah, I just I really wanted to bring. I just want to give Julian props because that's no, that's, a, that's an amazing. I'm glad run. you brought that up because <laughs> and also if there are any, young, I, mean, I don't know how much props he deserves because it was kind of lucky, but you know. Oh, I don't think. I mean, if you're a young player, I just I don't know watching how, that. I, I don't know how in that position, and maybe it's different when you're on the field. I don't know how from the position that Julian was in, how he determined to make that run. Thinking that right across the face, that's oh, a great run. Right across, awareness. right across the face of of, of Tim Howard's uh, goal. Well, right across Tim Howard's face. I mean, 
uh, that that's a good run because the angle is going to be tight. You're not going to have a lot of time to react to the ball, and he just happens to do exactly what he needs to do to get it in. But I think that's and, and, not even get if, it in. To if, make if, it any, post. if any young players watch that run, that's one of the hardest runs to mark. If you come from one side of the field and then go to the opposite post, oh, absolutely. So if you're coming from the left side and go to the right post, first of all, the player has to follow you all the way, and then he might even have to. You know, so even if he follows you, it opens up space at the back post. So it's a great run in general. I don't think it was. Uh, I mean, it was a risky run. Like you didn't know it was going to come off. But that is that. I think that, and that also shows this. I think how special a player Gressel is. Just willing. I think it was more than twenty yards, Eric. I think it was like 30, 40 yards when you consider he crossed the entire field. That he's willing to do that. That he's willing to just take the one in ten chance that he gets on the end of that. It really shows what a special mentality he has as a player. I think the reason, another reason, the run's so perfect, is, and you hit the nail on the head here uh, in terms of it being hard to mark. You're not going to take the outside path there because you've got to be right. there to be closer to your keeper to protect. So by the defender taking the inside track, kind of following him in, that gives him the outside yep. to be on the outside exactly. of that post to, to tap it in. Yep. That's why the positioning was perfect, because he drew the defender to the wrong side to allow him to have that well one little uh, you know foot in there to, to yep. tap that and it in. And it was a great finish, too. That was not an easy finish. Oh, no, finish. that's what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, again, Nagby put that ball, it's like a... It's like uh, in, in Infinity War where Doctor Strange oh, tells uh, – sorry, I got nerdy here. No, this is okay. a movie before – where uh, he tells him, I just saw this thing happen 14 million times and it only works out one time the way we want it to. That's kind of what happened there because, again, Nagby could only do that. I mean, there was no other way to score a goal there. And Gressel absolutely perfectly yeah. put it in a, a tough ball to finish, yeah. no question. So it was a good yeah. on the goal. Um, he was asked specifically about moving Darlington, or Frank DeBoer was asked specifically about moving Darlington Nagby outside or out wider than he was throughout the match. Um, I told him and Tito, you have to go wide, and if you can go one v one, then you have to do it. Um, as a midfielder, he isn't playing fullback. He's talking about Nagby, um, but you also have to create space for Tito. Those type of situations always make the difference in the game. Um, it's always one man more in the back. Then somebody has to step out. Uh, the individual quality has to make a difference in 1v1 situations, then we have advantage up front. That's that's ultimately what resulted in Darlington again, a, essentially getting moved. A perfect analysis. Much wider than oh, yeah, he was. Perfect the, the, analysis. Is that 1v1 situation? The, I did yeah. find it funny that in the press conference, and I think he's trying to He's trying to like subconsciously, maybe not subconsciously, but just trying to tell everyone he's smarter than everyone. Oh, he's All Dutch, so what do you expect? Yeah. Pragmatic. He, he brought up word. he brought up Real. <laughs> uh, he brought up uh, Barcelona at least twice, I think. Pep Guardiola a couple times. Um, I'm trying to think, Messi once no, of course, at least. Yeah. He brought up all these players, and I'm like, "What are you doing, bro?" Like, well, I, this is I, not- do, <laughs> I, I do think he he wants, and people should know this. Should at be the talking very about least, Will Johnson clearly. You, you have to respect uh, the experience De has had, and the players and the managers he's been around. Yeah, at the, the very he's least. Had. Oh yeah. I mean, he's the man clearly, played. Was a world class player, legendary player for I mean, a long time. He was handpicked by Johan Cruyff essentially to run the Ajax. Yeah, and so this is someone who's been at football at the highest, highest levels as a player and, and somewhat as a manager. These comments were clearly a direct response to Mr. Devin Farrell. Clearly, oh, <laughs> he watched. Oh, yeah. Did he watch Devin Farrell's he, he, he watched the rant. He's watching fan TV on the rant. He watched the rant. <laughs> you haven't seen it. We need to get. Not get, watching. I just want, not watching Atlanta United fan ATL UTD fan TV. Go check it out. They're clearly, the board watches, so you know. I'd say you, need, you just, just, just for sure. If if we lose the next few matches, just put that man in a couch. Punishment: <laughs> you tie him down. He has to watch every Atlanta United fan TV <laughs> take for forty five minutes. But, is he having uh, a laugh? Is he having a laugh? But uh, okay, so my last thing on PT, and I know we've got so about Kansas City and all that. Um, I think people are 
and I kind of touched on this, I think he's actually having a pretty good season. And I think, uh, yes, we want to see more. Uh, but I think particularly when you look at the amount of chances he's creating, it's very similar to Ezekiel Barco last year where the play of players around him, I think, has affected people's recognition of, of, of how good he's been. He's created... I Not think sure blame everybody. The second <laughs> most chances in the league per 96 minutes with uh, Pozuelo in Toronto has been amazing as number one. And if you look back on it, you know, if Joseph finishes a couple of those chances uh, or there's better finishing, we're looking at three to five assists for him right now. So I think sometimes with players like P.T. Martinez who try crazy stuff a lot, you know, he tries to dribble guys, he tries to play that seeing eye through ball from 40 yards from goal. Barco's like this too. If you try things like that, it's not always going to come off. Mm-hmm. So I think the failures stick in fans' mind when the players around them maybe aren't providing them the help that they need. And all it would take, I think, is a little better finishing, and we'd be having a completely different discussion against PT Martinez. Oh, I, in that respect, for sure. And I, I totally agree. Against, against, FC, against FC Dallas, we, you would have absolutely been like, oh my gosh, they finally figured it and out. Even if, if they finished. Half their chances, and he, right, and even in this match, you know, uh, you know, he's he, he's really been good, I think, with his passing and finding players in behind, and I, I think, like I said, people are looking too much at the bottom line of is it creating a goal? Well, not yet, but it's creating goal scoring opportunities, and I think he's showing that that in that sense, even despite the fact that he looks frustrated and all that. He's still, you look at some of the statistics, and he's been a very productive player. So similar to Ezekiel Barco, I think, if this can click for him, uh, it's only a matter of time to really, really start to see the P.T. Martinez we're expecting. And uh, and again, it's it's just like I thought it was with Barco. There are, it, it, you watch him some matches, and you're like, man, like, I'm expecting, you know, I've seen these highlights, I know what he's worth. I'm expecting to see some of these crazy okay. goals we saw. And when that doesn't happen... We forget about some of the other things that he that he's done, uh, and so I think that with PT, as far as his actual plays, actual game, we need to take a step back. And aside from the part that he's adjusting and it's a new manager and it's early and all that, he's actually been pretty darn good. And with just a little more luck and a little more adaptation to the system, and hopefully getting some shots off, I think he's going to be a great player sooner rather than later for Atlanta United. I'm one of those fans where. The bad is sticking a lot. is is It's a lot louder than the good, hmm. because I when I the last few matches I'm like, all right, I'll see him in one one v one situation and I'll see him fail. I'll see him in another one v one situation. I'll see him fail. God, he is but you know, like Eric, and, but that's not like true. See, that goes, season. but that goes back to what I'm saying. He tries a lot of dribbles. He's completed a lot of dribbles. But since none of those have turned into triple nutmeg goals or whatever, <laughs> we forget. Uh, you know, we remember the times that he failed. But his dribble I, statistics are great, and maybe I'm just missing. And I'd love for someone to pull up the YouTube video of every every uh, pity touch with Atlanta United so far to prove me wrong. I'd be happy to because I'll, I I want to want to like I want to like pity. I want to. Mm-hmm. He had four dribbles in this game. Led the team. I want to you know be on this on on his side on this, but he's I, for, for whatever reason, and I feel like a lot of the fans are like this. He's still yet to prove to me that. 
you know, he's worth one the money that 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 he's. I agree. He, not even the money, the hype. That I the agree hype with. Alone. That I totally agree with. He still has to prove that he's worth the hype. I think I. I that he came with. Agree. Totally. And the hype was earned. I mean, he was the player of the year in the Premier last year. What in does Argentina, that actually mean? So it's point? not, it's not, no, I totally agree. <laughs> that, that, I think I tweeted out that at one point. I was like, did we really fact check that? But I do, that seems like it's uh, a bunch of nonsense. I do think, though, it means a lot that, for instance, you point to him losing the ball when he dribbles, and he had, you know, 2.7 dribbles per match. That's almost double what he was doing at River Plate. So, I, so we, I would, we can't I would, sit I would here. counter by saying, where are those dribbles? How, how are those dribbles happening? They're all over the place. Right. No, but, but that's the thing. So he, he tries a lot of dribbles. Since we haven't seen the type of dribbles that we saw in highlights, and I would point you to a couple of fantastic uh, dribbles against Colorado, but since they're not coming off into goals, I think we're remembering, like I said, the times he failed, and that's kind of polluting our, our overall opinion of him. Now, does he have to be better dribbling? Does he have to be in better places? I totally agree. But it's not like he's been completely unproductive and all the things that he's good at aren't kind of showing themselves beneath the surface. MOTS podcast assignment for at least one of you listeners. Go make that every touch YouTube video yeah. for pity. Well, you know, Prove it was wrong. funny Prove because do you remember wrong. when the Barco highlight video came out from last year and everyone was like, what? He was like, this no, is no, an amazing I'm, highlight I'm, video. I, I, again, I'm sure I'm wrong. And I, honestly, it's you're no, you're probably, not. You're not wrong, Eric. You're probably one hundred percent right in how I'm looking at this. You're probably one hundred percent right. I, you know, I just need to see it. No, you're not wrong <laughs> in that you expect more. I expect more. We should all expect more. We just talked about the body language. But I'm let's, having extreme deja vu right now. This is the, the exact, exact same conversation same about things Barco. I was saying about Barco last year. That's why Sam's staying quiet. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, at some point the tide's going to turn. I'm saying, don't, well, don't. No, I mean, Barco is coming. Wait, 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 Barco's wait, wait, wait. good. He's much. Better. I don't know how I went this long without without saying this, but can we? Is have I reversed the curse? No. Because I'm right two weeks in a row. What were you right about last week? That we One, were- that we weren't going to do that great against Colorado because we've never done that great against a team that bunkers like they do. And FC Dallas beat us 2-1. Well, it's no coincidence that when he predicts bad things, bad things happen. And when Just he predicts saying, good things, he jinxes the two team. Two weeks in a row, I'm exactly right. Yeah, but but you were right yeah, but in you're a way only that hurt correct us. when you're predicting bad things. Yeah, right. And when you try to predict good things, it goes wrong. So basically, it's like double curse. Look, maybe I need a string of bad luck or whatever, bad predictions for Atlanta United if you, if to you, bring about the good predictions. If you predict... Eric, if you were a flavor of Zaps chips, you'd be voodoo. Look, I've got I've got the Shaq headphones right now. This, this, yeah, look, this, is not, this is not a coincidence. Well, the Shaq headphones something, might something, reverse the curse. He did call himself the big Aristotle. There's some sh- there's some Shazam going on in, up in here. Is it Shazam? I don't know. Kazam. 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 Shazam is that new movie. That's, I know Kazam. I saw that thing in theaters. What was, the, what was the what was the uh, he was the, a genie? What was the music platform the downloader thing? Oh, that Napster? was a Kazah. Kazah. Oh, Kazah. Damn it. When I say Napster, it's I can use all three of them. Shazam. Kazam. Kazam. Kazah. Kazah. Yeah, I, you said you said three or four nil. I, I said did. one. I said I don't even know what I said technically. Chris Lombardi says that you I said, said three or four no, but I, I think said that was it me. should be. I said it should be. <laughs> I said it should be. But I also said oh, we have yet to see this team. Rattling both sides of the fence. I'm just saying it should time. be. That's not a prediction. I said it should be. I my, still, my prediction exactly. No, yeah, I don't think no anybody credit. thinks you uh, broke the no, curse. No credit for Eric yet. No, cr- no credit for Eric yet. But should be is not the same thing as a prediction. We're Chris. going into. It's not the same. We're going into Sporting Kansas City this weekend. Maybe you can reverse the curse and we'll credit the Shaquille O'Neal headphones. Uh, well, I wear these headphones so, so every week. It's gonna be interesting in Kansas City, right? Because they're not. It, it's it's there first of all, and they're not gonna park the bus. They're gonna try to come out and play, especially mm-hmm. at home. So maybe we'll see similar to New England, similar to some point uh, what we saw in Columbus before the field went to crap. Uh, 
to some extent, Dallas. Maybe we'll get to see a little more expansive Atlanta United because Kansas City are team actually going to come out and, and try to play their game. And, and they're, they're a possession also a very side, good too. Team too. They're a very so, good yeah. team. Yeah, they're a possession team, although their possession is a little more vertical, a little more aggressive than Atlanta United's. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be... A, I'm really looking forward to the Kansas City match. We're all kind of... I feel like a lot of us are still kind of hopped up on that 7-1 match against Montreal. Can we go over the last five results for them? Oh, the Six Kansas results? City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like, sorry. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. First leg semifinals against Monterrey. 5 nothing. Expected. Because it's Monterrey. Oh, yeah. I'm not jumping on that. Right, so Monterrey gave them the business like they gave yeah. us. Yeah. FC Cincinnati uh, Sporting KC ends in 1-1 draw. Second leg against Monterrey, 5-2 loss for uh, Sporting KC. Oh, God, so they lost against, the aggregate 10-2? Against the mm-hmm. Red Bulls, Grief. a draw, 2-2. Against San Jose, 4-1 loss for this, uh, for Sporting Kansas City. Against New England, a 4-4 draw against again, against the refs. And they trailed most of that match, too. You're right, they they're haven't not, been that they're great. Not, they this is an opportunity for Frank DeBoer, this is an opportunity for Atlanta United. This is MLS flipping itself, it's by just, the way. This happens all the time because of the parity in the league. Kansas City and Atlanta were two of the best teams in the league last year. Now they've kind of, kind of shuffled back I, down. I also think you're going to see Kansas City come out and be like, all right, this is an opportunity for us as well. We, we have a chance here to earn some points, get back on track. I mean, it's not like they've been dropping tons of points. but they like, we're been playing Atlanta United, three points. But that's, I'm not saying it's going to be that easy, but that is kind of the mindset. You go into Atlanta United, you go, especially at home. Well, this season. You're coming sure. into a team that's still figuring it out, figuring it out that, that still uh, hasn't uh, adjusted, I guess, to the loss of Tata Martinez or the loss of Almiron. By the way, at some point we're gonna stop talking about Almiron. I know. I, well, well, I fully happen. agree. Never gonna. Happen. We like three at years from now. Yeah. <laughs> but Almiron was the secret. Yeah. He was the key. UGA fans still talk about Herschel Walker, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. We, we ain't gonna we be our not Herschel talking Walker. about Almiron. Okay. He was Atlanta United's Herschel Walker. That match Sunday, uh, May fifth, Cinco de Mayo, oh. nine o'clock. Oh, is it? Get your tequila. Get your margaritas ready. Mm. It's gonna be a late one. Take Monday off. That's my uh, yeah, advice. Will. You know, I'm interested too. Uh, you know, it's it's very similar to what we talked about before the Dallas game, where we were worried about uh, about uh, uh, about them picking on Breck Shea down his side because he had a very uh, strong right winger in that match. Johnny Russell playing on the right for Sporting Kansas City. I think one thing I expect is they're going to target Breck Shea. One thing that Colorado d- did actually do when they tried to attack, I think it was uh, 40. I have to look at the number. The, the most of their attacks came down. Their right side, Breck Shea's left, I remember that, yeah. and they were they were bombing Nicholson down the right, and they were moving Kai Kamara I think they said over there. I think they said as much after the match that they were specifically they going were specifically down that targeting Breck Shea, and of course that's one Breck Shea, not the strongest defender, but also on the other side we got Franco Escobar, great one v one player. I think you're going to see a similar type of setup where either Johnny Russell or Gerso Fernandez, probably Russell, you're going to try to to try to hit Breck Shea down that side. So that's what I'm kind of looking for, just like the Dallas match. How are you going to match up 1v1 on that side? But unlike the Dallas match, I think you're going to see Kansas City try to possess the ball. It was interesting how Dallas was a possession team. They came to Atlanta in kind of a different setup. I don't think Kansas City will do that. I think they're going to try to... It's, it's going to be very interesting to see. Will this be the first match where a team is able to really out-possess Atlanta United? I, if it ends up like that, here's my, what my prediction will be. If it ends up like that, where SKC has most... The, uh, most the possession. of the possession, and mm-hmm. I mean by most, I mean like what we normally see out of Atlanta United, where it's like seventy thirty or something like that. If that's what it ends up being uh, against Atlanta United, the seventy thirty in favor of Sporting yeah. KC. Well, it won't be. 70. I don't think whatever, but you know, yeah. let's say sixty forty. Okay. Even that, I'll give you that. I I don't think that plays well for Atlanta United. I think it needs to be pretty pretty even. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, I think it needs it'll to be, be like pretty even. Yeah, fifty five forty five, and as close close to fifty as you can, because the more wide open it is, 
the more that possession number is going to just find itself coming back to that 50% mark. I think that's where Atlanta United right now, with the players they have, are, are going to be at their best. Given the open spaces, the ability to pass into 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 you know into the channels, basically everything that the the uh, the Colorado Rapids match was wasn't, is what this match against Sporting KC needs to be. Where there, it's free flow, it's back and forth. It almost needs to be a shootout. I think it could be. It could be. I, I kind of not because I want to go through that stress, but I kind of want to see what Atlanta Although, United is you know, in that in that. In that Kind of scenario. I could see, and, and people will go crazy. I could see another boring nil-nil, one-nil match <laughs> where both teams have a lot of the ball, you know, a lot of, but they're not able to so much penetrate. But if you're, uh, if you're into the last third, if you're asking Atlanta United to defend for a cent, for no, you can't a do lar- that. A large por- no, no, portion no, no, no. of the match, there is, <laughs> you don't have Almiron. <laughs> that's this is where a match where if that's the case, if that's where how you think it's going to go, Tito absolutely should be starting. 100 yeah. percent. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah, need yeah. someone. Need yeah. You need someone to counter with. Yeah, I think this team is definitely not built to play. And it might just be here. We are talking about Almiron again. It might just be Almiron, but I don't think this built. This team is built to play. I mean, without the ball for like a 60-40 possession yeah. type game. Now we look at New England, where it was like 52 or 53 for New England. That's a little bit different because that means you can win it back and play direct. But no, no, if no, a no. team I, is having the ball for a, that long, where you're looking at 60, you and know, higher, even like 58-59 percent possession. Atlanta United is just going to defend deeper and deeper, and then you don't necessarily have the guys to go run the, the defense on the counter, other than Tito, like you said. Yeah, it seems like a very specific stat, but you think about what the game, what it means to the, what what you're be, what you're going to be watching on the screen if SKC has the ball for 60, 65, 70 yeah. percent possession. That's going to be a lot and of Atlanta United on their back heels. Yeah, for sure. But that, and they is, don't have they don't just look. Pity's not not that guy. Barco can be that guy, but I think he hasn't proven that he can consistently be the guy to start the counter. That's where I would be like, well, all right, Tito on the wing, boom, let's get I mean, it. A big him. part of the counter is running at pace, right? Taking a big touch, knocking in front Petey's of not you. Petey is not really that guy. Barco is certainly not that guy. Almiron was Tito Vijalba, <laughs> and Tito Vijalba is. It seems to be a ball winners game too. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know. I'm fascinated by the matchup and, and the possession battle. A lot of games, well, possession's overrated. I think it's like Eric's kind of saying, it's definitely I, gonna be indicative I mean, of, and of who's successful in, in this of match. Probably being. Well, in theory, the two best ball winners uh, on the team, uh, I would I would assume they need to have pretty big games in terms of disrupting mm-hmm. the possession of Kansas City. Uh, Josh Wolf still lining up for the Wizards, yeah. Um, Josh Wolf, totally the joking by the Kansas way. Kansas City Wizards. Um, but, the, but you go back and look at some Funny of the Wizards' like retro uniforms. And all stuff. right, all right, they were legit. Back what, what are we doing here? I'm just did saying. You, but did no, you see and, 2001 MLS Cup? I'm just clearly saying, not. I'm just saying. You know, in all honesty, though, I, I think that this team. <laughs> plays the way that I kind of expected and wanted Atlanta United to play under the board. A more aggressive possession. More aggressive possession. And hopefully that's coming. We'll see. I, hopefully I, that is coming. I feel like it's slow to, slowly getting there. Yeah. It's because that's, there. What, that's what ideally you'd want to, to happen. Let's talk about something real quick. I think it's got to be said. We're no longer at the bottom of the table. All right. Tenth. <laughs> Yay. In the Eastern Conference. Still defending champs, though. Eight points. Mm-hmm. Says it on Eric's hat. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, right now, Philadelphia Union in that third spot with 14. Not that big of a gap. D.C. United no, at, at the top of the table with 17. Again, not that big of a gap. And I think 538 said, what, 79% to make the playoffs with their little oh, crazy uh, statistical out 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 Let's not, let's not worry on. about Supporter Shield. That probably is not going to happen. But, because we're probably going to drop more points here right. and there yeah, because hey, new system, new you coach. You can't choke away the Supporter Shield if you're not contending for it. Boom. That's true. 
And last yeah. year you choked it away in one MLS Cup. You're so, so proud of that one. I really am. I really am. Not gonna lie. Very pleased with them. So again, tenth for Atlanta United right now with eight points. And you've got matches in hand as well as Michelle brings up in the chat. Absolutely. Um. All right, anything else we need to talk about in terms of Atlanta United-related stuff? Because we're going to move into some non-specific yeah, Atlanta Josh United is rates. mad. Uh, no, I mean, I thought... We saved I thought, this uh, all the way for the end. Oh, my God. We did. Now is the fun part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just listen to the if first... If you got through the boring crap of Atlanta United, Spoiler then there's the fun part. Hopefully, Spoiler yeah. alert. Can yeah. I... Can I are about Before we even talk okay. about anything, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones, so there will be some spoilers in the next five minutes or so, so just stop listening to the rest of the podcast. If, if you, you haven't seen it. Haven't if you haven't seen it on a Wednesday... First of all, what's the, what's the rule where you can start talking about this stuff on social media? I feel like, I feel like it should media. be like three days, and Wednesday is the third day. So Here's we, a spoiler okay. for you. There was no nudity on this episode. No. Can you... Wow. There wasn't. That is a spoiler, is because that, you see that, and you're like, wait a minute. An episode of Game of Thrones where nobody got naked? I guess technically the Night King did. At the, I, we'll he see, lost all his clothes. Well, right, well, let, let's, 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 let's be real. We know what Sam pays attention to when he watches Game of Thrones. Yeah, well. Who does? Come on. I didn't. Did you? Is that the first thing you thought of when you thought when you saw this episode? Not this episode. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not the it first was, thing right. I've had. I've had like three days to think it's about. It's similar to where Deborah's mind went going to Tito. <laughs> Sam's mind goes to nudity. Somewhere okay, in left field. So is this show really that good? I think Game it, dude, I, I I was obsessed with. It's great television. It was awesome. Arya right. Stark. Arya Stark. So let me come out of nowhere. That's a top five. Come like, on, that's, that's a, a moment for me. That's like a top five but moment that's, in that's television. That that's a top moment, moment in television. That for me. That same moment happened like five times where someone was about to, one of the good guys was about to die, and then someone it's, else it's came and the saved him at the last behind second. It. It's about the fact that the it comes emotion. out of nowhere. You're with the people out of nowhere, right? Who'd you watch it with? Uh, I watched it with well, with fans, with Game of Thrones fans. Okay, who'd you yeah. watch it with? No, my roommate fan. Yeah, roommate. I watched it with like ten people, friends. and we all freaked out. Much like I assume Sam and I your buddy out of my chair. Same. And Same. Really? Like, was it was like it was like a buzzer beater shot. It really was. It no, was oh like a gosh. buzzer beater shot. That so, was the exact reaction was, I had. It was Michael Jordan because you know ninety-one finals against the Lakers. Marv Albert when Jordan goes up with his right, switches to his left, and it, oh spectacular move by Michael Jordan. That's what it was. She switched hands. Ugh. She went with the okie doke. Okay, so Chris, Chris yeah, Lombardi. No, Chris Lombardi. I, Chris, Chris's mentions, point is good. But uh, time out. Chris Lombardi, the red wedding, was way more of a freak out. First moment, of all, he says. that entire that well, entire like, but that but that entire that entire episode, you knew something was coming. Not you that know, you didn't know what it was, but you knew something was coming, and because it, it got really boring. Yeah, like but right you, around you that episode, it got really boring. All the Starks basically were going to die. No, no, you but didn't. Okay, you so knew something Game was going to happen. Game of Thrones. Hold on. So <laughs> the whole thing about Game of Thrones that made it different from other fantasy little who has control of the kingdom shows is that you really didn't know who was going to die, and they set that up by doing the red wedding. Uh, the guy who had his eyes ripped out by the giant. Remember that? Oh, the, uh, oh yeah. yeah. What's his name? That, uh, that I think that was a better so like, moment so than like the, the red wedding. Uh, you know, the dude from um, the, the all the stuff that happened yeah. with, although they didn't kill, end up killing, but with Theon and, and, sure. and when Ramsay and all that. So Ugh. you they they built this up the first half of the show of you really don't know who's going to win between the quote unquote good guys and the quote unquote bad guys and then it's all this setup. I mean, you knew because you had like all three, of this we, there's setup. like three more episodes left you knew the good guys are going to win. No I'm saying over the last <laughs> oh okay okay you know however long it's been oh Game of Thrones is different you don't know who's going to die. Those might be coming in the next couple maybe, episodes. Maybe <laughs> but then you watch last night which first of all the entire show has been building up to winter is coming blah 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 and when it finally happens None of the big characters die. There are a bunch of scenes similar to the Night King one where there's like 
you know, there's someone gets saved at the very last second. I thought it went from a sh- a kind of unpredictable fantasy fantasy show to a uh, more cliche show where, quite frankly, frankly, the writers don't seem to have the balls. I think they to, stayed to, to kill one of the kill one of the big characters as they did in the first half of the show. See, the I predi- think they the stayed pre- unpredictable because mm-hmm. you predicted. And everyone predicted that all of the main characters or a lot of the main characters would die. So what did they do? They didn't kill off any of them. So by that logic, they went exactly right. opposite and they That's stayed true. unpredictable because literally after here's the thing that was I was getting expecting me. more. Here's the thing that was yeah. getting me. After episode two, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, it got up in my fields, you know, Sir Brienne of Tarth. Now everybody's gonna die next week. Oh man, I'm so sad they're gonna kill off these great characters. And then when that didn't happen, everybody's like, "Why didn't they kill off these I great agree. characters?" You By the I, end I, of the I, show, I, I absolutely love the 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 imagery of of all the 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 flaming swords, whatever the hell you call them. That was so cool. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. those when, uh, are, when Melisandre oh get lights up all the swords. Although the funny thing about that was all those guys. That one shot was really weird because all those guys run in. To like you know try to take on the zombie army, and then one by one you start to see those the zombie army. There's go a out. name for them. The dead, the White Walkers. No, 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 no. Not all of them are White Walkers. White oh, Walkers right, are right. the ones on horseback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These right. are just the dead. Okay. Okay. So here's my other thing. But no, I'm just saying. Like, the true Game I'm just of saying Thrones like that scene here. where all of those torches one by one start to go out, and then all of a sudden they're all out, and you're like, damn. That's the dead um, took care of those The amount guys. of people watching is dr- dropping by the second. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, okay, so who you're telling me you have seven seasons of build-up about this Night King guy. There's no more Lanny United content left now. We're just bickering about Game of Thrones. So well, if you, it, you're, we're done with the Lanny United eight content. Eight seasons or whatever of build-up or whatever it was, all about the Night King. Winter is coming, and then you never find out who he is, what his motive is, no, nothing. No, you already knew. Well, you had some backstory. Nothing. We learned nothing. I wanted to know who he was. You know, what? how do the children of the forest... You know, I, I just I, he, he missed that episode. I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't remember it. Fully, I don't but think I don't think the writers really knew what to do. I think you know I watched Lost all the way from start to finish, and Game of Thrones is much better than Lost. Okay, okay? <laughs> much better acting. I watched it much, of much, too. much more well done. But I think they've run into similar issues. Yeah, we already we already knew where when it comes time to resolve all these huge overarching problems, the writers have no idea. Oh how to no, do here's it. the problem. This is George R. R. Martin's baby. Up until now, right. So now they're right. That's so now true. They so don't now have, they're going their own they way. They don't have George R. R. Martin. Yeah. And here, here's what I want to know: Is George R. R. Martin like consulting with them? Then he's going to write the book and finish it based on this, or is he going to write some completely different book where the series ends in a completely different way than what we've been let off right now? You're going to have to read the book. Everyone will well, die. I know. In the I've read all this, the is, books. this is the best selling point for him. No, my no, thing saying, was all like, that you uh, yeah, because you don't know because it's been taken out of his hands now, and these HBO people are finishing. And as we all know, if 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 it had actually taken this long for them to get there, winter with climate change would be seventy degrees. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm just I'm just i waiting to get that in. So uh, we're oh we're done my here. Gosh, we're done here. I'm trying to get any, any other good moments. Who's the? I don't. I, I, Jenna's right. We really should. I thought the, about the Dothraki yeah. scene was the Dothraki's. That was messed no, up. No, don't. And then oh, the Unsullied going right after them. No, whose idea the, was who's that? The, who's the? I will say the Operation one, Human the one, Shield. The one moment I almost I got a little teary eyed. I will admit. Who's the the 
the little child king, queen, or whatever. Oh, you're talking giant. about uh, uh, Mormont, uh, Leanna Mormont. That was another cliche moment. But that oh, was. Oh, come on. That got where me. you thought, where you thought, the thing, where you, and yeah. she jabbed him in the eyeball. That's what Game of Thrones is about, is seeing children get me. strangled and then she kills them at the last second. Yeah, come but on. they both died. It reminds it's, me of Jaws when uh, Richard Goldblum's on the, the shark's back and stabs him in the eye. Can you believe this guy? Richard Dreyfus? Uh, whatever. <laughs> God, you don't even know actors. I've said no. I don't know anything. Look, I will agree that f- <laughs> for Richard what Goldblum. for what a lot of people have come to expect from Game of Thrones, that was a letdown in terms of they didn't kill a bunch of people. But here's the thing: there's three more episodes left. I'm I'm so I'm excited ready. for the for the rest. Well, what was the what was the overwhelming theory going into this week? It was that the Night King wasn't there because he was taking that ice dragon down to uh, uh, King's Landing and was going to destroy King's Landing. Oh, I had not heard of that. That was man. The, that was the overwhelming theory that a lot of people were saying. Guess what? That didn't happen. Kill, you know both, I mean? kill both of them and just be rid of them both. Right. Essentially. So oh, that's I did the not thing. think about that. So now the story is what's her Cersei and uh, right. Theon's uncle. Like right. you know, backstabbing everybody, and now you've got all these people coming to get him. So, I don't know. I, mean, if this, you know. I don't know if this is a prevailing theory, but the one thing that I I had heard from another friend was that uh, all of the guys that had died uh, in the past were gonna be risen from like the Ned dead. Stark. Yeah, like Ned Headless Stark. Ned Stark running around the crypt. I I know it doesn't make sense now, but <laughs> now that you've seen the episode, but yeah. given you know, uh, what's her name? Sansa, the the Red Woman. Oh, Melisandre. Yeah, given what she can do and. The other dude that came back from the dead like seven times, yeah. Jenna's right. We have no. If I don't know the names, I have no business talking about this. Whatever. <laughs> Why do we have to be super fans? Okay. What no, an Atlanta United you fan! You know, don't even know. You don't have to know every single name in Game of Thrones Jenna, because there's literally you. a million names. Um, but no, I that was one of the thoughts. I was like, well, I mean, they're going to be in the crypt and they're going to be uh, kind of chilling, waiting. I did think that I did expect. People we had seen in the past episodes to come out of the out of the. Yeah, I'm of the glad graves. they didn't do that because I, I think that would have ruined well, it. Well, I yeah. think as soon as we knew, like I had when a I started when I start when I saw that started and happened, I was like, oh man, they're gonna bring back like people like uh, what's his face, the dude that well, Ned uh, Stark. No, who's the uh, the guy who is he was the hand of the king too. I forget his name. The first king. Oh, J- uh, Baratheon. Ta- yeah. Uh, Baratheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't buried in Winterfell. That's the thing. Like I had a feeling going into the episode, I was like, okay. The Night King is coming to to Winterfell. They're sending all the people down to the crypts. I just want everyone to see Josh's or here. You know, Josh is like tuned out. He's, well, no. he's I can't wait to see the analytics for this episode. Ninety <laughs> <laughs> percent of the people tuned out with ten minutes well, I'm left. Just saying, they sent all of their people that they love down to the crypts, which is where all the dead are buried. And the guy is coming that can raise the dead. What did you think was going to happen? I knew that was. I could see that coming from a mile away. But if they didn't do like you said and make us see people that we would have saw. But overall, I think a lot of people are banging on it. It's just funny to me. I loved it. I, I did too. I, I loved, loved it. it. I loved it. Again, that that uh, Arya Stark my... moment is a top five television yeah. moment for me. I just, That's right there with um, the Wire has ruined everything for me. Well, the Wire's. Great. I can't watch anything else. I've now. never seen the Wire. <laughs> Figures. Well, now you need to binge watch that. <laughs> Figures. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll say this. It. it, it delivered for me the Same. moments that I wanted it to and we still have a lot left in these three I don't I don't often, you're happy I don't often get those the, go, those raw raw moments out of TV because I'm I, I normally am like not I'm invested in the story but I also I mean, know that it's a TV show I, but the thing is is I know it's a TV show I was fully engulfed in what was going on in the show me too I had I had for for all I knew in that moment that was happening in real life and I'll say this too <laughs> 
for the people because the, the two complaints I found hilarious. The first one was, "Oh man, they're going to kill off all our favorite characters." And a week later, they didn't kill off any of our characters. That's the one thing I found <laughs> funny. The second thing I found funny is people just complaining about I couldn't see anything. Well, guess what? In war, I love that part. Yeah, I love that part. It made it. it, Yeah, I thought that was good too. It made me uneasy, like you would be uneasy. I did like in that that moment. Like, like if you you know you you don't have crystal clear HD vision when it's snowing outside. I was expecting like Jamie's throat to get cut randomly out of nowhere. Yeah, Brienne gets her head chopped off, something like that. That that, like I I was expecting those moments. Yeah, it was very anxiety creating that way that they shot it and i and one last thing for me i thought the misdirect on aria getting the kill was brilliantly done because the whole time it's john snow on the dragon battling the night king dragon they fall off they're standing there the night king raises the dead john snow has to fight off all these people to try to get him the friggin' dragon comes down, and he's the last thing between Jon Snow and getting to the Night King. So you're like, okay, he's going to either slay this dragon or somebody's going to come or Danny's going to come with her dragon I'm going to kill, whatever. And then out of nowhere, Arya Stark gets the moment. So the the miss, because that one moment with Melisandre where she was like, the God of the Dead, what do you tell the God of the Dead? Not today. And then she runs off, and you don't see her again until she's jumping at the Night King. So the misdirect I thought was really good. I did think there was going to be something with the faces. Oh, the, the, I, I I knew at that point I was like, all right, it's gonna be Arya. You know, but I, I thought it was something think? with the faces. I thought she was gonna be one of the other other uh, White Walkers. You know or that one White Walker looked. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was maybe it. she was one of those, or maybe she was somebody who I don't played dead. There's a, we don't know yet, and I think we might find out because I'm sure that there could be a scene where Bran or John or somebody says, "How'd you do it?" Oh, I, 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 wait, here's the question: Is who who's killing? Uh, I forget her name now. Cersei. Yeah, who's killing Cersei? Maybe no one. Oh. No, it's got to end happily. And that's the thing, though. Everybody wants to pretend that this show is either too predictable or not predictable enough. The Red Wedding completely threw me off to the point of, I'm not going to put anything past these show creators. It doesn't have to be a happy ending, but Cersei still needs to die. <laughs> My big prediction is we're going to get a, a, a John versus Danny. I hope not. Uncle I know it's, versus I know it's aunt yeah, versus I, nephew. I know it's weird, but she didn't look too happy when he found out that he was the heir. I'm just saying. Oh right? no, for sure. It's but building, again, it doesn't matter when you're facing death. But guess what? They're not facing death now. Not no more. All right. Anything well, else you want to add? I think you're always facing death in Westeros. Yes. <laughs> No, I have nothing more to add. <laughs> nothing more to add. <laughs> I got All really right. heated. You can find me at Eric G. Quintana. You can find Josh. You can find me at Josh B914 on the Twitters. At Sam J. Franco. You can follow the podcast at MOTS Podcast. Again, go to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, MOTS Podcast on YouTube. You can donate to the uh, podcast. Patreon.com slash MOTS Podcast. Follow Dirty South Soccer for all the latest news and notes regarding Atlanta United. And again, that's Sporting, uh, sporting KC match uh, Sunday May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock start. Central time, I think so. I think 7 there, late 9 night. here. Late night. Something like that. Yeah, I'm going to try to take Monday off. i got like four vacation days i got to take between now and June. I've already got like two weeks off. Josh, do you know how to flip that little lever on your phone that makes it not do that the entire podcast? <laughs> 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 Look, you're just, you're just jealous no one texted you. Oh, I've gotten plenty of texts. My brother asked me to turn it off. (laughs) Hoping good things.
this coming up Sunday. Hope we're talking about Atlanta United victory. <laughs> Hope we're talking about another Atlanta United three points. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta.